0: This is a presentation of Paterson Media. (laughs) Amplify Canada is an initiative created by Paterson Media, designed to celebrate and elevate small businesses. The backbone of our economy, Thousands of small businesses, groups, family organizations, and individuals are showcased on Pattison Media radio stations from Winnipeg to Vancouver throughout the year. Every month, we go deeper and share the incredible journey of a few that have made an impact on their community. Some have flourished, others may need a little extra love and support. These are their stories. Welcome to Amplify Canada.
1: Just bring a
0: That's Good Times. This episode's artist, Danielle Ryan, will share her experience and the inspiration for the song at the end of our podcast. On this show...
2: COVID has changed our perception, our ways of thinking about things.
0: That's Leonard Weens reflecting on the ups and downs experienced over the past couple of years. And we'll talk about how changing the hotel model has helped save their business.
3: 2019 was Canada's number one year for tourism. It was generating just over $100 billion in revenue.
0: Explore Edmonton gives industry insight as the tourism industry in this country shows resiliency and begins to rebound.
4: Truth be told, the pandemic has been amazing for our retail store. It really increased our sales because everybody just wanted to get outside. That's Ariane, second generation business owner
0: in the kayak industry. She will speak more on how outdoor tourism has experienced growth. Hi there, I'm Linda Freeman, your host for Amplify Canada.
5: It's the world's third largest industry, but that was before the COVID-19 pandemic brought tourism to a screeching halt.
0: It was March of 2020. Travel restrictions and border closures aimed at containing COVID-19 brought travel to and from Canada to a near standstill. Airlines are at a standstill around the world, and today Air Canada announced it lost $1 billion in the first quarter of 2020. In fact, the number of international arrivals to Canada from other countries fell by over 50% from February 2020, the largest single monthly drop since 1972. By the first week of April, most hotels were empty, with the hotel occupancy rate below 20% across the country. The Canadian government closed its international borders and various restrictions on non-essential travel to and from Canada were in place for the remainder of the year and continued into 2021. Even domestic travel was affected with the closure of some provincial and territorial borders. It has been a tough go, but this country is built on small businesses. Listen to the stories of the resiliency, creativity and strength of Canadian tourism. That does- I always think perspective is a good place to start. And so I caught up with Paul Haas with Explore Edmonton to get an understanding of where things are at with tourism in this country. I'll lean into his expertise throughout the podcast. So Paul, let's start with the overall tourism landscape.
3: I think the important piece is to realize that just the shift from when we set out in 2019, 2019 was Canada's number one year for tourism. The tourism industry itself across Canada totaled three percent of total exports. It was generating just over a hundred billion in revenue, accounted for one point eight million jobs. That has shifted significantly, and for Edmonton specifically, we would see six point three million visitors. We had twenty eight thousand jobs in this sector, around fourteen hundred direct businesses that we were working with, and so that has dropped significantly right now we are absolutely seeing signs of recovery talking to our hotel partners just last week they have started to see their occupancy levels coming up we're seeing the glimmers of hope but it's definitely been a challenging year for us
0: i've read a lot about the importance of providing experiences that people are looking for more these days so what have you seen in the edmonton market that can help others stay competitive
3: experience focus canadians are savvy travelers they've been traveling a lot and they've been used to, to seeing the world and so they're looking for that immersive tourism and really immersing themselves into the experiences that they have the piece for us is really around authenticity and so, when we are working with partners, when we are looking at developing our own tourism experiences that we're trying to bring partners along with, we're really focusing on authenticity. That's going to be key. Any destination can invest and become a Vegas, but that's not what's going to allow Edmonton to grow and to have sustainable tourism into the future. And so, being authentic through and through is so important.
0: So there is a future, exciting times ahead as things shift and we move forward. And the importance of the community and all of this, Paul, that I'd love for us to address and just that we all need to take a part of ensuring that we flourish again in the tourism sector.
3: We're seeing it now about shopping local and keeping things tight, but getting that support of locals, of Edmontonians to shop local, to think local on their weekends of traveling and experiencing through the city is going to really help us. And the tourism industry is resilient. The pandemic has obviously been our worst barrier, certainly in my lifetime, but we've seen other global disasters, global financial crisis, 9-11, SARS.
4: This year's tourism season is gearing up to be a quiet one. Normally, they'd be crowding beaches, mountaintops and inner cities leaving lots of cash. The industry is bracing for more tough days ahead.
3: The tourism industry has come through a lot. It will come through this and we are there to help bring the tourism partners and bring our industry through this as much as we can.
0: Later, we'll talk to Paul about building experiences and connecting with community. But let's travel to Chilliwack, British Columbia, just 100 kilometres east of Vancouver, with natural majestic beauty, abundant recreational and lifestyle opportunities. Flashback to Chilliwack circa 1910. The BC Electric Railway would complete its extension linking Vancouver to Chilliwack, bringing droves of new visitors. For local hotel entrepreneur DS Dundas, this was a golden opportunity to build a new kind of hotel in the Fraser Valley one that offered the level of elegance and comfort that big city visitors were used to, and the Royal Hotel was born. In the years that followed, it was a roaring success, welcoming visitors from around the world and helping fuel the Fraser Valley's rapid economic growth. Today, the Royal Hotel stands as a record of the rich history and an iconic feature of the Chilliwack cityscape. Leonard Weins came to the Royal Hotel in 2013, with more than 25 years of industry experience behind him, but could never have predicted a pandemic nor how to navigate through one.
2: In March of 2020, when the pandemic hit, hotels themselves were considered essential business. But given the size of our hotel, and we've got about 26 guest rooms, it didn't make any sense to stay open. The costs just didn't warrant being open. And so from March till sometime in June of 2020, we did not have any rooms available. Then when some things began to change a little bit, we decided that, well, we might be able to open some things up. And so we adjusted. One of the things that we initially did when we began to open, we made a bit of a change in our operation as far as the hotel guest room side of it was, pivoted, whatever you want to call it but we made a shift to where we worked most significantly with the Airbnb as a platform for reservations to begin acquiring some business. We installed doors with number pads on them, so it's a completely self-check-in system. So that's quite a switch. The thing that I think is significant is that if we had tried to do this five years ago, you would have had huge resistance from travelers, I think. COVID has changed our perception, our ways of thinking about those kinds of things.
0: I call those pandemic pros, the positive changes that have come from the last couple of years. Creativity seems to be oozing from all areas of tourism, creating an experience for people, which you did, Leonard.
2: So I saw this on a news story about pop-up weddings. And so, of course, it's not a high-end pop-up wedding. We did it at our level and we gave it some character with the historic setting that it was in just on our small homestead room, because you could only have a small number of people, so it was fine, there was enough space in there. So in a period of about two weeks, I think there was about eight or nine weddings that occurred. There were just an hour or two hours apiece, but it was certainly a hit. We had fun doing it.
0: Speaking of fun, I have to ask, with a hotel that old, do you have any ghost stories to share?
2: Well, I guess that depends on who you talk to, and I'm not going to answer all of those questions because I don't know for sure, but just a bit of history there. For more than 70 years, the hotel was owned by one family in Chilliwack, the Berry family, and was a father originally, and then the son took it over along with some other family members, and it was from that son that the current owner purchased the hotel. But that elder Mr. Berry, who passed away in, I think, somewhere in the early 1940s, that was his personal room. So it was not a hotel room at that time. And he passed away in that room. Of course, because it wasn't a hotel room, it had room zero on the outside of it. And so that's part of the history to the story. Are there ghosts in there or not? We had one guest who could verify that there were all kinds of orbs floating around outside the room zero. We had one housekeeper one day who was upstairs and came downstairs and she said, somebody told me to come downstairs. She said, there's nobody up there. And she says, I know that, but I heard a voice that told me to come downstairs.
0: Well, that could be good for business. Makes me think of shows like Ghost Hunters, uh, Ghost Nation, Paranormal. People love to watch that stuff. So maybe you just gave yourself another boost. Now, you've made some great changes, keeping the history alive at the Royal. But you have also been instrumental in changing the area around the hotel.
2: Yeah, we did a number of things. One of the things we did a few years ago was for a period of time there, we had the pop-up piano in the downtown area to make sure that the downtown was a place that people could just enjoy. And even now, there's even more stuff happening. Things like the Bookman, which is a used bookstore, one of the largest in BC. Just down at the end of the block, there's the whole New development that's happening with a lot of brew pubs and restaurants, there's good food, some night entertainment that's starting to come back and things like that. So, yeah, it's a unique and a very neat place to, to be part of.
0: It's great that you're also investing in the community. You're helping and trying to bring life back to the downtown by supporting others such a wonderful thing
2: there's a parking lot behind the hotel the one for the courthouse in chilliwack this summer and it was coordinated by the people doing the art mural walk in downtown chilliwack there's a large mural that got painted on the back wall of the hotel so it's those kinds of things which just add some unique character to the place it is a unique character place to begin with but that just adds to it and enhances the experience altogether it's good
1: just bring-
0: Let's get a better understanding of what Leonard touched upon, the importance of community. Back to Explore Edmonton, a destination marketing organization. So Paul, let's talk about the people who live in an area and the important role they play in tourism. I think so many of us think tourism comes from outside the community. But really, it has to have the community buy-in first. The people who live there become the greatest ambassadors.
3: That's very much one of the things that we are trying to do. And that's something that we've seen through the pandemic. There have definitely been some shifts that we have seen, we've undertaken ourselves, but our social channels, our website, we've seen significantly larger engagement with Edmontonians, learning from us what to do in their city. Because Canadian travellers as a whole spend more money on travelling outside of Canada than they do inside of canada the pandemic has made that shift so now canadians are spending money in canada and much closer to home and then the engagement piece on our social channels has been really quite amazing particularly through the summer and into the fall on dining programs brewery passes to get people out to enjoying the new patios that were being created around the city and more of those walkable outdoor areas And so that's been a real win for us.
0: So smart and really great and encouraging to hear and that the development of the experiences within the local community and getting that response from, as you mentioned, the Edmontonians going, I wanna do more in my community. And I think that that's reflective across the country. Would you agree?
3: Yes, it is. Canadians have shifted their travel habits. They've had to, of course, but there's a little bit of a barrier here. Canadians, as I say, typically they are traveling outside of the country, particularly Edmontonians. They are going south in the winter. They want to get out and get some sun and some warmth. And so we've definitely seen a shift there. And typically Canadians don't spend a great deal of money on domestic travel. They are visiting friends and family. They're using that as their short trip. But that, through the pandemic, has actually shifted. We've seen Canadians that are saving their money and using their money on longer trips in Canada. They are experiencing nicer hotels. They're going out to some of the nicer resorts. And so that's been a really interesting shift. It's
0: an exciting shift. Do you think we'll be able to hold on to that as we move forward and things open up a little bit more and people get a little more comfortable traveling? Will we find a nice balance between what we do in our home and abroad?
3: Yeah, I think we will. And we're hearing that from our partners at Destination Canada and also Travel Alberta who help us significantly with research and data. But as a whole, Canadians have opened their eyes to traveling within Canada. They have maybe fallen in love with Canada again. I spent time working with Destination Canada and we used to talk about the girl next door syndrome with the US and Canada. And there was kind of this, well, Canada is always here. It's not going away. It's a beautiful place. But the last couple of years have made Canadians realise the beauty that's in their own backyard and the experiences that they can experience within their own city. And so I think we will see... A shift once things do fully open up that Canadians will continue to, to travel abroad again. But I think that there's much more of a legacy that's going to be left of Canadians traveling within Canada that have fallen in love with Canada again.
0: I love how you've worded that. And it truly is. I mean, it is a country you can easily fall in love with. And sometimes when we're so close to that, we don't realize it. It's right in front of us. We sometimes don't realize how much we love it. Let's pause there for a moment. Speaking of falling in love, we continue the journey of tourism and head to beautiful Deep Cove, Vancouver, a spot locals know for Honey's Donuts. Look them up, they are delicious, by the way, and the quaint and quietness of the surroundings. It is also where we find kayaking at its finest,
4: Deep Cove Kayaking, owned by second-generationer Arianne Baxter. My mom is the founder of it, Ingrid Baxter. She lived in Deep Cove and she was looking to buy a canoe in the local newspaper and instead found a boat rental business down the street and bought that instead. My stepfather was away and she called him and said, "Um, you know how I wanted a canoe? Well, I bought a boat rental business instead. So it's got a really great story as how it organically started that way. Now we are in our 41st season. And then you
0: and the store manager, who helped run the business for a long time, decided to buy your mum out. And what started as a canoe business has now morphed out of canoes altogether and into kayaks and stand-up paddle boards, which kept you afloat. No pun intended. Well, maybe a little.
4: Knock on wood, we've been luckier than many because we're an outdoor business. I guess I should backtrack a little bit because Deep Cove Kayak has that location in Deep Cove. And we've been there so long and working with the District of North Vancouver, and we have that concession on the waterfront. We also are a bit of an umbrella for a few other entities. So under Deep Cove Kayak's umbrella, we have Kate's Park Paddling Centre, which we work in partnership with the tsleil Nation, and it operates out of Kate's Park. And we also have a retail store called Coast Outdoors, which originally had only paddling gear, but now it has cross-country ski gear as well and snowshoes and things like that. Our retail store was able to keep operating. And truth be told, the pandemic has been amazing for our retail store. It really increased our sales because everybody needed to just wanted to get outside. With the retail store, we've had the same sort of supply chain problems and things like that, but it's been really, really great for the retail store because we just had all sorts of things that people could get on the water on or get up the mountain on. And it's that part's been really good. Any insight into where things will end
0: up, like based on your years in tourism?
4: We're not really sure what will happen if there's more freedom of movement in travel. You know, we think we gained a lot of local people getting out on the water. So we'll see what happens as people get to travel, because most of us in BC are pretty ready to go somewhere, I think. But then other people, if they can come here, I think we'll just get our tourists back as well. So it's a little... Not so sure what'll happen, you know? Well, I
0: call myself a kayaker, although I now prefer paddle boarding. But I also had a vision one day of being out on the water and seeing an orca. Anything recently?
4: They were just here. I haven't seen them, but they came through this week. Six of them this time. They're probably like three blocks away from where I am right now was the orcas. So cool. The orcas are like spectacular if you get a chance to see them, but I personally just adore the seals. To me, they're like the puppy dogs of the ocean and I consider it a good night when a seal is popped up.
0: Thank you, Ariane, for sharing the beauty of nature. There's no doubt one of the things we are seeing more of is people connecting to nature and some for the first time. Ed Abbey, owner of the Bull River Inn, knows this firsthand. It's located in a little piece of paradise in the southeast corner of British Columbia, just on the edge of the Alberta border, where the Bull and Clooney Rivers run. The Bull River Inn is the local pub, and it amplifies the East Kootenays by being a place of gathering in a rural area that has lots of history.
5: I've been in this business for a long time. I was born and raised in Salmon Arm, then Lived in the UK for a long time, 15 years, and then came back and decided that it was time to come home. So, bought this place and basically bought myself a job. This was a nice semi-remote, out-of-the-way little place that we could make work. We built a decent business out of it. Never gonna be rich, millionaires, or anything like that out of the place, but it's more of a lifestyle than it is anything else. It's a comfortable, really nice, beautiful part of the world to live in, which is a big part of it. We had some pretty hard years building the business and now it's at a point where we can live comfortably. The pub has been a pub for 46 years.
0: Ed, can you paint the picture for me? The place, the people, the scenery. I mean, that's part of any experience or attraction. It's that visual piece.
5: That's the best part about it is that it attracts all different kinds of people, eh? Hikers, fishermen, hunters, bikers, cyclists, everybody, it's like a little oasis at the foot of the Rocky Mountains. There is wildlife lots. We've got our local mountain sheep that live just up the hill from us. That's what we call a Bull River traffic jam, is when the sheep are on the middle of the road because they don't move for anything. And then we've got deer, elk. We see cougars, we see bears. Not so much right where we are, but within a mile or two, you're gonna see them.
0: Sounds spectacular, that remote wilderness experience. How do people get to you?
5: We get people that come on quads. We get people that come on snowmobiles in the winter. We get people that bike, you know, cyclists. We live right on a road that is amazing for motorcycles. It skirts the steeples range. You can even get here by boat. You know, it's a couple of hundred meters walk. The rivers just there.
0: The pandemic hit the tourism industry hard. Hotels, airlines, tour agents, cruise ships, and of course restaurants. Ed, how have you fared?
5: As far as the last couple of years go, our business has done well. And I totally feel for the ones that haven't, but I think... Partially the reason why we have come through this is because of where we are and people want to get away from the cities, want to get away from the personal contact. People feel safer out here, less contact. But we didn't suffer except for the fact that we didn't know what was happening from month to month or week to week. And maybe that's why we've survived a little bit too, is that because we are very rustic. It seems to work for us. And then people that are exploring little extra parts of Canada, you know, and I'm happy for that.
0: Ed went on to explain that the plan is to someday honour the inn part of Bull River Inn, which was the original owner's plans after starting the pub. Behind the pub now sits a couple of suites that he uses for staff. One day he hopes to build a couple of small cabins on the property. What a destination that will be.
6: During the darkest days of the pandemic, Destination Canada, which normally takes its money and markets Canada to the rest of the world, took that money and marketed inside Canada to travel. To at least Q3 of 2022, we're going to have to see more of that.
0: And finding unique experiences and exploring Canada is what travel advisors are seeing more of. So a quick check into this with Pivot Travel
6: owner Rob McDowell. What are you seeing for Canada, Rob? We have an amazing amount, and range of tourism opportunities here in our own country and i think this is a good opportunity for people to realize that for example i went with my friends up to dawson city in the yukon which is a place we'd never go before but dawson city is just an amazing place I had no idea and i would have never gone there we would have gone to europe or, or south america or some other place in the states and then we also went to st john's newfoundland and it's a really great shot in the arm and you know in a sense this has also given everybody a chance to reset travel and and look at how we can have an industry that's perhaps a bit more sustainable with a positive impact on the people that it does benefit.
0: And I was a bit surprised to find that the use of travel agents is actually up. Over a year ago, around 25% of travelers were using agents, whereas almost 50% of travelers say they would use one now. So why the renewed interest?
6: I think for travel agents, just for the on-the-ground knowledge, but also how, where do you get your tests, what kind of tests are necessary, what kind of vaccine passports do you need, how do you use those, what hotels are safer than others, which markets provide quarantine stays for free if you test positive, those kind of things. So in that sense, travel agents, I think, are becoming much more important to consumers, and I think that need is going to be there for the next few years as we come out of this.
0: So a pretty optimistic outlook for the travel and tourism industry.
6: Yeah, you had to be optimistic, and certainly in business, things are looking much better for everyone, and that's a good sign, and that's a good thing. Thanks, Rob.
1: Just bring good times, and we'll have a good time.
0: We're off to Fernie, British Columbia, in the heart of the Canadian Rocky Mountains, where small-town charm meets adventure. Fernie is a historic mountain town founded in 1898, completely surrounded by the Canadian Rocky Mountains and home to the Fernie Fox Hotel. Once part of a chain, the owner took a leap of faith and became an independent hotel during lockdown. Jeremiah, can you explain that?
7: So it's kind of funny. We became independent April 1st, 2020. So the lockdown started like a week before that. So it's kind of a cruel April Fool's joke. <laughs> but not only did we change our brand and name, but all of a sudden we had to deal with this pandemic that hit. So we completely adapted and changed our marketing strategies and everything like that. We went more towards our local rubber tire market, people that live within 400 kilometers of us. And we pushed our corporate business really hard.
0: Marketing to the local market is a trend that's growing across the country, as we heard from Explore Edmonton. Jeremiah, your community is really embracing this concept.
7: Most definitely. We have lots of guests over the last two years that live 200 kilometers away in Calgary or Leftbridge or somewhere like that, and they've never been to Fernie before. They were all really surprised of how beautiful and wonderful this town is and what it offers. And we're still seeing that. We don't have any international travelers really right now. A few trickling in here and there, but it's still all local market local being, 500-kilometer radius.
0: And you're a big community supporter. You sustained that giving through the pandemic.
7: We have a budget every year of about $25,000 that we donate to local causes. So everything from the hospital to the senior center, the Pride Society, Pet Society. We help our employees with their children, scholarships and stuff. And because we do that, yes, the community definitely did help us. We donate money to them, they reciprocate. Yeah, it goes both ways. That is a big part of our mantra here at the Fernie Fox.
0: And on top of the support you're giving the community, you are supporting the environment. You're looking to become more sustainable. You've put in solar panels, reduced the use of plastics. You're working towards being BC's most sustainable hotel by 2025. Do you think this will be a trend the industry will see moving forward?
7: Well, I think tourism will change. I think the eco-friendly part of it is going to be a huge deal. People are going to be looking for eco-friendly options when they travel moving forward, not just because of the pandemic, but because of the climate crisis as well. I think that's going to be huge. We're trying to lead the way Things have changed, even simple things like when somebody sees a hotel, they have housekeeping throughout their stay. A lot of people don't want that anymore. They don't want anybody else in their room. Yeah, things are changing, definitely.
8: It's being called Canada's first wine village. The $25 million project in B.C.'s Okanagan Valley is slated to open in June. In downtown Toronto, another new attraction is set to open, Little Canada. A $25 million miniature version of the country.
0: Which brings us back to our discussion about how the tourism sector is reinventing itself, finding creative ways to stay afloat. We connect one last time with Explore Edmonton's VP, Destination Development and Marketing, Paul Hawes. Paul, some last perspective on tourism.
3: Our industry has been decimated. There is no doubt about it. There has been lots of shifts within the industry. People have been inventive outdoor dining and spaces that businesses have created. They are doing business differently. But a big shift that we have seen is just in that outdoor close cities close to nature, people wanting to be out in open spaces. One of the things that has been a positive shift and quite insightful is the interest in indigenous tourism experiences. And Edmonton bodes very well in this space because of our indigenous population, we are the second largest indigenous population in the country. And so because of that, we have some incredible tourism experiences that are Indigenous-led, Indigenous-owned. And because, sadly, of the unmarked graves and the things that have come to light over the last couple of years, it's actually shone a great light on Indigenous experiences. And we're seeing an uptick in people wanting to spend time with Indigenous businesses and learn more about the local culture and the Indigenous Peoples and so that's been quite incredible. In our region we've been very successful as well. We've got great partners at Fort Edmonton Park who launched the Indigenous Peoples Exhibition last year. Just to the north of our city we have Métis Crossing which is experiencing being with local elders, going out, being on the land with bison. I was out there in August and just a phenomenal experience.
0: And you talk a lot, too, about the collaboration, you know, with your hotels and other attractions and businesses in the community, which is key. And can you speak specifically to that as to how that overall helps the tourism industry?
3: Of course. The tourism industry in Canada isn't really different to around the world. Tourism is made up of about 95-97% of small-medium enterprises and if you think about it, it's the mum and pups, it's the cafe, it's the restaurant, it's the folks that have the Segway tours and the River Valley, it's the kayaking and paddleboarding, for example. It's small, medium enterprises that make up this full collection of what is the tourism industry. And so, of course, we do have to be collaborative and work with our industry partners. And so we bring people together and we amplify, they amplify our efforts. It is a team effort.
0: From reinvention, to creating unique experiences, to connecting to community. Thank you Paul, Leonard, Ariane, Ed, and Rob, for your stories of Canadian tourism. Thank you for showing us how we can travel into our own backyards and still find an escape. There is a beautiful, brilliant, wonderful, vast Canada that awaits. Bon voyage. And thank you to all the people in our communities who nominated them for Amplify Canada. Each episode of Amplify Canada, we introduce a local musician whose song you've heard throughout the podcast. Music is the pulse of so many things in our lives, and it plays an important role in the tourism industry. Festivals are often built around music. It could be in your local theatre or concert halls, your corner pub. We have lost much of the community connection through music during the pandemic, but our musicians are still there. They are also reinventing, finding new paths until the one they once knew opens up again. Danielle Ryan grew up on a dairy farm, and I had to quote this from your website, Danielle. Clearly, great things can come when you combine a rancher's work ethic and an artist's insatiable creative calling. Danielle, so great to connect with you. How have you been doing?
8: I think every artist can speak for the fact that the pandemic played a major role in changing up the way We do things normally. I had never actually publicly released any music until the pandemic. And so when it came to releasing a song, the label and the whole team was kind of like, we don't know. (laughs) We've never done this before. So I think for everyone, it's been like a really big learning experience. And There's definitely been a lot of setbacks with, you know, not being able to tour and go visit radio stations and stuff, which I love people so much. So the social side of things is killing me. But, I also love social media. I love my camera and filming things and being creative from that side and just trying to reach out to people. But that's at least nice that that is an option.
0: It sounds like the musical path was a natural fit for you.
8: I started when I was younger, like I feel like the stereotypical started singing in church kind of deal. I did lots of theater growing up. And then when I was 12 or 13, I was like, I want to write my own songs and tell my own stories. And I taught myself how to play guitar. And I kind of just went from there and was always entering contests and was always pursuing it. And it was never really something that I thought twice about. And then it just somehow led me here eventually, which is pretty cool.
0: You have such a beautiful voice, Danielle. With so many genres out there, how did you land on country?
8: I was born and raised on a dairy farm. We just celebrated 100 years in September. We had a big old party. I'm sure that was quite a celebration. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's pretty awesome. It's pretty incredible. I think I had to do country. Like, it, it's in my blood. <laughs> I had to. It was just kind of obvious. I love all types of music, but country to me is all about storytelling, and that's really where my heart lays.
0: How nice for you to have stayed home. So many musicians head to major urban areas, but you've remained a country girl.
8: Well, I'm a glamorous country girl, you could say. Like I drive a car. Like I'm not like a I'm not like a pickup truck. I'm wearing overalls right now because I do love the casualness. So I still have that. But I definitely love a little bit of glitz and glam. I've always been like that. I remember as a kid, like changing so many times into so many different dresses in one day. So I've always kind of had that kind of side of things.
0: We loved the song Good Times for this episode about tourism, as there have been good and bad times with the pandemic. So can you give me the reason behind it, why you wrote it, and what made you think of those words?
8: Good Times is actually inspired by my grandpa. He is always like, just bring your good times. Can I bring anything? No, just your good time. So, I was inspired by that, took that and turned it into like how the best times I've ever had in my entire life are always just with the best people and it doesn't matter where you are or like any of that, it just matters who you're with. And that was just kind of the whole concept of it of I feel like a lot of people can relate to that too of You know, you can never recreate even those good times too. So when you have them, they're awesome. And so many people
0: trying to do that. One thing I think the past almost two years has taught us is make the best of times with the people you care about. Danielle, before we hear good times in its entirety, is there anything you're working on now?
8: Ooh, I have a song that's coming out soon, hopefully in the next month here. And I am so excited about it. We recorded it back in September. I went to Calgary. And we shot a music video for it. And I came up with the concept for that with my brother. And I cannot wait to share the material that we have for this. And it's all just been like sitting. and We're just like waiting for the right time to release it. And I think me being excited about it, I don't usually get excited about these things. I'm usually a bit more held back emotionally a bit. I'm always a bit more cautious. So yeah, I think we might have something good in the works here. The song is called Take Me Back. And it's basically about reminiscing on the old times and being like, oh, I wish we could go back to when our relationship was incredible and at its peak. I think a lot of us wish we could go back, relationship or
0: not. Danielle, thank you for sharing and giving us inspiration and showing that there is so much positivity out there. You are a ray of sunshine. So get ready for some uplifting, toe-tapping, bopping, soul-lifting music. Now let the good times... Play.
1: Well, you know they're blowing smoke, yeah, if they
8: tell you that it matters where you go, cause that just ain't true, people always talking about the hottest new places, but some best nights are spent in a basement, it's all cool when you're with your crew, why do you think girls go in groups to the bathroom, we can chill, just do nothing, long as I'm with you, it's gonna turn into something, right here. So tell the guys and the girls, get over here quick Dario car, king's cup of Jenga Just laid back, hanging out, no agenda We'll just do what we want
1: to do Dance to our own beat Making up our own moves, Drinking the Moscato right out of a bottle Living a life like there's no tomorrow
0: Good Times by Danielle Ryan. You can find her at danielleryanmusic.com and on YouTube and Spotify. You've been listening to Amplify Canada, an initiative created by Pattison Media, designed to celebrate and elevate small businesses, the backbone of our communities. For more information on this program, go to pattisonmedia.com. This is a presentation of Patterson Media.